It is just crazy what you can portray in the digital realm and how easy it is to not match that in the real world. At least right now we can ignore it sometimes, and that's what keeps us human. In the world that we're living in, where we're always on, always connected, how do we delineate between digital and analog? It is podcast time. (laughs) Hey guys, welcome to the Design of Experience, conversations about the ideas that make us feel a tribal devotion to the things we love. So today we are going to be talking about something that we hold very near and dear to our hearts because it fuels everything that we do inside and outside of this design studio, this agency, and it is digital. I wanted to jump in real quick before we introduce our secret exciting guest. Digital, just, you know, we're about it. We have, you know, we have no choice. you got to embrace it. We live in a digital world. So We do live in a digital age, which is captain obvious to even say that but you know it's probably we're, we're far enough into the digital age where we want to spend some time analyzing what it's doing to us and how it's changing us and what it means um, in 2019 the number of mobile phone users is forecast to reach about 4.68 billion with a b and when you think about iot the internet of things all these devices joining uh, connectivity every minute, thousands of them. Um, to put that growth into perspective, Please Gartner do. estimates the IoT market at 26 billion devices by 2020. So in a year, think how many more devices there will be than there are people. That is insane, my friends. There are, I don't know, mystery guest. how many people are you? Because you know and I don't. Uh, it's somewhere between 7.4 and 8 billion. Okay, That's that was insane. pretty precise mm-hmm. with give or take 600 million people. I mean, people are born and die every day, so who knows? Okay, so today, Steve and I have a guest with us. His name is Matt DeVille, and he is our very own VP of Digital here at 15.4. Um, he's also the thinker and the writer behind this awesome Um, thing online this experience that we call manifestly digital and we'll include a link to that in the show notes but um here is matt matt how are you i'm great hello world yes thanks for coming on the show today uh i didn't have a choice (laughs) (laughs) i don't think there was any pressure put on Mm. you maybe just a little um matt give us uh give me a couple of your favorite things like or do you go to films very often about once a year i've been to one or two with you yeah and both of them were classics one was very weird well yeah so i mean that's a good that's a good link because we went to see koyana scotsy and uh koyana scotsy and uh i'm blanking on the oh who is the composer koyana philip glass philip glass yes i love philip glass i love music I love repetitive digital music. Uh, I'm reading a bio about Brian Eno right now. So, yeah. uh, The other film we saw at the Senator here in Baltimore was The Big Lebowski. Exactly. Which is a classic. Yes. This aggression will not stand, man. Yep. So uh, where's my white Russian? You know, that's That's what I'm going to well, where's your bathrobe? Matt, you like Let's white start Russians. there. I don't own a bathrobe. That's an interesting thing. Neither do I. That probably disqualifies me from being a digital 
native. That isn't what dis. Uh, there are things that disqualify you from being the VP of digital at fifteen yeah. four. You are. You strike me as a very analog person. Am I right about that? I mean, you don't. I don't think of you as you are a frequent Instagram poster. True. Um, but I know you to be a physical medium artist. True. A lover of books and vinyl. Yes. Um, so how how where does the fascination with digital or even I would say the expertise in digital intersect with your love of all things analog? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, so I was thinking about this because I figured right after the podcast I'd lose my job, um, <laughs> you know. But uh, I think it it goes back to things like uh, Pac Man, the Mac Plus, which was our first computer. It didn't have a hard drive. It had two floppy drives. It had a dot matrix printer. Um, and so growing up with that, in, you know, in the uh, 1980s, it sort of prepped me for going into this career. But at the same time, you're right, I'm, I'm, I'm highly analog. I like, I always love hearing these little bits of things that you like to do and what you like in your off time, because I think it um, it grounds you because we, we dive in as a team to digital every day, but we all go home at the end of the day and we have our own things. And I think a lot of it is evidence of, of being grounded in things that are that are historic, that are lasting, that are also forward thinking. But we bring that groundedness to the digital approach. And I kind of also, it kind of keeps us from taking ourselves too seriously in the digital realm. Hmm. So that's kind of my right. two cents, but yeah. 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 Uh, and not to mention, I mean, the word digital mm-hmm. has two meanings. One, it's numbers, on, off, zeros, and ones. But we have digits on our hands. They're called fingers. Mm. And that's how we make things. So in my mind, that's the root of everything. You start with your hands and you make things. Whether it's Whether it's an analog art piece or a digital <laughs> art piece. So I, I remember my first DOS computer and sitting in front of that dark screen and learning a few commands and feeling like there was a world in there. There was a sense of mystery and wonder, even just sitting in front of a flashing cursor. And I'm, I'm fascinated by what that, you know, what, it, what, what experience led me to think that, that there was a, you know, there was, there, I, was, I was entering into a new realm, if you will. Um, do you remember your first sort of, I don't know, you're a web guy. You've been doing web for 20 years now. Right. Do you remember your first exposure to the web? Yeah, first real exposure to the internet. My uh, roommate was an architecture student, and he had AOL, but he could only log on for 10 minutes a day because (laughs) everything was charged by the minute, by the hour, for the month. Um, But then after getting to Baltimore after school, there was this thing called Amazon, and that's the first time that I was like, whoa, this is a gateway to a world where I can buy things that I can't find. And guess what I bought? I bought a book. And there was only one computer in the office that was connected to the Internet. So I had to go on, borrow a coworker's computer during lunch, and order you know, my French post-structuralist theory book, which I couldn't find anywhere mm-hmm. else. So, um, And so for me, it was a way of connecting to resources that weren't easily found. But then the first time I actually published a web page, I was, you know, I had this moment of all like, oh, 
it's out there. I got a question for both of you. What's the most surprising digital experience you've had recently? It takes a lot now to impress us. So what? when's the last time you were just kind of like, whoa, that is so cool? Okay. I actually have a two-part response, if that's allowed. It's allowed. Because I have a, like a wonder like positive and then a wonder like negative. I'm going to start with positive. I am surprised of myself that this caused me wonder. But I used Apple Pay the other day for something. I knew what it was. You know, I understand what Apple Pay is. But I was in an app on my phone, and it said, do you want to purchase this? And I hit buy. And normally you go to a shopping cart. But what happened is a little menu slides up, and it says, like, proceed to checkout or Apple Pay. And so I just selected Apple Pay, and then it asked for your thumbprint. And I put it in there, and it said, your product will arrive in two days. And I was like oh my gosh, like that was crazy. Mm -hmm. Also kind of frightening, but crazy. So that was kind of a fun one. It was so simple. And I think the amazement was like just, it was seamless, it was quick and it worked. Mm -hmm. But my other one, which is a little bit like, oh my gosh, wonder in a negative sense, is that a few weeks ago I visited a vineyard in Virginia that I've really been looking forward to going to because their digital presence through their emails, through their Instagram, through their website, is so wonderfully executed. It has wonderful messaging, really high quality design. All of the messaging is very people focused. It's very thoughtful, very intentional. So I've always admired them as a brand and been like, I really would love the opportunity to go there. So when we actually got to this vineyard that I have been wanting to go to for so long, it was beautiful. I mean, the property was pristine, the views are incredible, but the experience of the people and the way you are treated as a person was very much incongruent, very much misaligned to what you view on the website. And the reason I mention the people part is because so much of their messaging is people-centered, and it's about intentionality of sharing meals and tasting wine together. So it was just a very shocking moment where I realized that there, there, is, there can be a very large disconnect between a digital experience that is presented and an analog or physical in-person experience. It is just crazy mm. what you can portray in the digital realm yeah. and how easy it is to not match that in the real world. So, so besides the obvious yeah. disconnect between the, their ability to design a great digital experience that wasn't backed up mm-hmm. by a human experience... I'm struck with the, you know, we're left ultimately wanting real human connection and yes. real community and real physical presence. Um, and that is a huge disconnect that's happening in epidemic level now mm-hmm. as digital experience has taken over our lives where, you know, if people are more isolated and more lonely than ever and you've heard all these statistics. Matt, what about you? Are you, do you have... A, you know, as a career guy, you live here, you live in, you live and breathe this stuff. Has anything floored you lately? Any kind of digital experience where you're like, wow, now that. So I'm, I'm going to be, again, contrarian and possibly a little bit negative, but I think we've gone through a little bit of a lull in terms of digital, in terms of web experiences where brands are really hesitant to do something interesting. Uh, I can think back to a couple of years ago, Under Armour did a a website where you could customize your laces. It was very much video-driven, so a young kid would go out, play soccer, come back, take his laces out, hang them up on his car for some reason because he won, and it would have something that he had uh, typed into the computer and ordered these laces. That was interesting because it was obviously very expensive, 
interactive exploration and you know who knows what the ROI on it was but it was creative and interesting and different and I feel like in recent years brands have really pulled back from that it's just about communicating selling um, getting a return on your investment but I did recall there's a, a website for a company called Lilium and they are proposing to basically do a air travel almost on an Uber level. Hmm. And it's a beautiful site. The other one, uh, which I just saw apparently either one or is up for a webby, is a site called Kubrick.life, and it's about Stanley Kubrick. And it's just a long-form website about his career as a filmmaker. And uh, part of me now is a little bit upset because it's, it's made with a tool that is very much, uh, you know, something you rent for $12 a month. And having spent a lot of time coding things from scratch myself, it's kind of like uh, when people say, oh, just build my site with Squarespace. It upsets me. But it's a beautiful site. And it doesn't, ultimately, does it matter how it's made? Eh, probably not. You want people to know what goes into something that's finely right. crafted. When you go to a restaurant, you kind of want to know that the chef went out and picked the best ingredients and has spent a while figuring out how to put them together into something that's kind of magical. Right. And um, so the well, McDonald's the version of websites is not going to be appealing to someone who knows how they're built. Yeah, but, you know, looking at this, it does not look like, you know, a mass-produced website. And that's what's amazing to me. And something that I'm pondering is how important is the tool behind the product? Digital in terms of music, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the democratization of music. And uh, manufacturers like Fender and Gibson are really struggling on the brink of collapse because uh, music has shifted to a lot of digital, uh, digitally created music. Uh, people put together their music not in a studio but on their laptops. So I'm wondering if we're facing a similar proposition with websites. Hmm. You know, and websites are just one part of digital. So Matt, um, is that part of the reason that, or that transition or thinking about that dichotomy between the, the different pieces in our lives that are, that are transitioning from predominantly analog to predominantly digital, is that kind of some of the thinking behind the manifestly digital website or... Um, I just want to he kind of hear yeah, yeah. where that, what inspired it, um, what, you know, what led you to kind of, I'm guessing you approached Steve and said, I think that we need something like this. So I, I just want some of the background on that. Well, that's very flattering, and I wish that were the case. Oh, man. Actually, we <laughs> talked about um, writing a manifesto, and I jumped at it because I've always loved manifestos. Um, you know, being an English major, being interested in art, um, <laughs> At one time, I cited the Communist Manifesto as one of my favorite <laughs> pieces of literature, and uh, my friend made fun of me. And uh, But if you read it, it's relatively short. You get to the end, they talk about being unshackled, you know, as laborers, and that's very exciting. Um, but there have been manifestos in art, in design, uh, so manifesto of surrealism. The abstract expressionists had manifestos. Even more recently, design manifestos. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Mao Design had a, a great manifesto, and it was just a, a list, like, from 1 to 10. Mm -hmm. I went a little bit longer form on mine, but part of it was there's been so much discussion about digital this, digital that, 
um, digital transformation. I just wanted to break it down, make it simple. And at the same time, when I was writing it and thinking about it, I was reading uh, Mick Lewin's The Medium is the Massage. There's a good story behind that <laughs> behind title. Behind the title of that, yeah. Yeah, because it's a, it's a typo. Um, <laughs> it was supposed to be The Medium is the Message. Uh, and, you know, so it went to press, and he thought it was funny. So he said, keep it. That definitely influenced the style of it. Um, and I wanted to end with this sort of provocative statement at the end, uh, which is, uh, I'm blanking on it, but the it's something. The question isn't what's next. The question is, what will we do with it? Right. So, you know, uh, digital is vast. It's multiple different things. You don't have to embrace every part of it. But I also wanted to spend a little bit of time ruminating on the vocabulary around digital and thinking about the qualities of it. Midterm commercial, manifestlydigital.com. That's right. <laughs> Go yeah. there. Check it read out. Read it. Be transformed. Yeah. So one of the hardest things, and I, and I forget whether or not you said you, f- you have a definition, but it would be kind of fun for um, Steve and I to see if we can give our attempt at a definition for what is digital, and then maybe Matt can round it out with his thoughts on it. But Steve, do you want to try defining or what is digital? Digital is the way we connect with everything that is not directly in front of us. It is, the, it is, a, it is a level of omnipresence, omni, omniscience almost, where we connect with everything that isn't literally in front of us and sometimes, unfortunately, the way we connect with things that are directly in front of us, uh, mm-hmm. such as in our office frequently where uh, there was a, a t- story told last week where someone had been asked by a coworker <laughs> to please slack them before approaching their desk. Oh and, <laughs> and um, you know, because it was just kind of like, hey, you're just all of a sudden you're like standing there in my space. We have an open concept office, and so you can kind of just walk up to someone's desk very easily. It's not like you barged into their office. But this person, you know, said, hey, just give me a heads up, like that you're coming over, like slack me, even though this other person, the coworker, is literally 12 feet away. So I think that you know, w- what's cool about digital is it has given us reach into information and experiences, places, people, things that we never had reach to before. I agree. It's about sharing information. At least right now we can ignore it sometimes, and that's what keeps us human. Like once we get to the point where digital is really invasive, and I'm going to talk sci-fi here, but things like neural implants or any kind of implant, you know, I mean, there have Which been... Which is already happening. Yeah. Industrial designers have proposed, you know, sort of within your wrist, a, a digital display. And when you think about how fast we have evolved from, you know, using a telephone uh, connected to a wire at one place in our house to talk to someone, and that was its sole function, and now we carry around this device in our pocket that we're just constantly connected to. How many times a day do we reference this phone you know, this physical device for any number of hundreds of reasons um, that kind of touch on almost every area of our life, whether that's communicating with loved ones or buying, you know, 42 cases of Charmin at the touch (laughs) of a button. Um, What, you know, how far are we really from just saying, well, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just have it embedded in your 
conscious so you don't have to press any buttons and you can just dial up your wife without having to pull the phone out of your pocket. Um, You know, what if they discover that all the signals that we're walking through every day is giving us all cancer and so they come up with safer ways, you know, to just come up with bio-friendly versions that actually get put under your skin. Like, is it really that hard to imagine that by the year 2050, uh, when you think about the hockey stick growth of any technology, Mm -hmm. um, is it that hard to imagine that in another 20, 30 years we we won't recognize ourselves at all? So here's a little soundbite that I think works well with that. It's from McLuhan. We shape our tools and thereafter our tools shape us. Hmm. It doesn't have to be, a, here's the challenge maybe to, to all of us, it doesn't have to be a dystopian rise of the machines, you know, uh, Terminator kind of story. It, it could be a very harmonious kind of new way of living mm-hmm. as far as we know it. We're going to experience it so incrementally that maybe, maybe we'll think it's awesome. I don't know. That's a good one. I mean, I'm supposed to follow this up with my answer to what I think digital is, and I'm just sitting here like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can give it a shot. I was someone who watched this thing kind of like be born in its tiny little sapling of a tree, and for me, that's when I was five years old, sitting at a drafting table in my house with a... I don't even know what kind of computer it was, but black and green screen. And there are photographs of me as a five-year-old using the computer. And they just like sat me up there and let me like figure it out. And I never stopped figuring it out from that day. But what I have done Hmm. is watched all of, from that one moment, like that one little blossom of a bit of technology, I have watched things grow into this huge massive forest now of what exists in the digital realm because for me as a five-year-old it was one machine with a black and green screen and that was it that was where digital was contained and existed and now I am walking through this huge forest of all these digital things and I it's hard for me to comprehend just how like you said and I don't know if the word is omnipresent or omniscient omniscient whichever one means I'm I'm I can't, I mangled the two together yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the one I've always present I know I should know those words but they're hard um <laughs> words are hard um but there is something about and like that we are walking if if the trees are the bits of digital elements we are walking always walking through a forest um, that we are covered in these different mm. elements of digital. And, um, but that, it makes sense that it might be hard for me to grasp my head around it because when you're standing in a forest, you can't see every tree. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can just see the ones that are around you. But you know that there's more, and you can hear evidence, and you can see evidence of more being present. But so today I went mm-hmm. to my very first acupuncture. And uh, I don't know yet whether it works. It sounds very analog. But it is. It is. And so, so one thing I do know from that experience is, you know, once we finished our chat and all this stuff and I laid down on the table, you know, this very skilled person put a bunch of needles in me and uh, put on some music. She put some essential oils, one kind on my forehead and another kind on my the tips of my ears. Uh, okay. And, and then she left the room for 20 minutes, and I just had to lay there still listening to this ambient music 
and I just, I don't know, and this is going to lead into a challenge question for Matt. I don't, and, and they don't want, obviously they don't want your phone in your hand. They mm-hmm. want you to take off your watch. Hmm. You have your glasses off. So in my case means you can't see all that much. <laughs> um, I don't know the last time I laid still and awake for 20 minutes. Aromatherapy, needles, <laughs> music. <laughs> Um, Matt, as an intensely analog guy, and we know this about Matt because we, he's because in, ironically, through your digital portal, I am tr- I am entreated to pictures of the books you're reading or holding, the the albums you're listening to, the artwork, the That's artwork awesome. that you're making, yeah. you know, several pieces a day. How long do you go in those spaces when you're making art or reading a book or listening to vinyl without connecting digitally uh, probably 90 seconds uh it's it's terrible and i think that's where it does become somewhat of a dystopian problem you know mm-hmm. it used to be i would go prop myself under a tree you know read a book for three hours watch as the squirrels run back and forth across the yard whatever you know and that was great because you really did disconnect but, you know, now you read a book, you come across a word, you're like, I don't know what that is. You look it up. Everything's Googleable. Um, and then also, uh, in terms of producing the art, um, I call it my compulsive drawing project. Um, and it was a way of me, uh, after a long drought of not being able to produce anything, just saying, okay, screw it, I'm going to just go crazy and do whatever I want and it's going to be messy and I'm going to document it and see what kind of reactions I get. At the same time, there's a question of how much are you doing that so that you get 10 likes Mm. on a picture, Hmm. you know, and the pictures are very much affected because uh, I take them at funny angles, macro, you know, I try and blur things out. I apply filters so they always look better than the real thing. Hmm. It's a really interesting, Mm -hmm. I mean... I can't remember the last time I maybe read for three hours at a stretch from a paper book yeah. without a device within arm's reach and without checking it, you know, mm-hmm. multiple times. It's, it's you know, it, how is that rewiring our brain? In some ways in my mind, this is a foundational introduction to this whole conversation that we're yeah. trying to have. What is it about the design of experience? What is it? And in, in the world that we're living in, where we're always on, always connected, how do we delineate between digital and analog? We FaceTimed with my granddaughter a couple days ago, and she intuitively knows to reach for the screen and touch it. Yep. And, you know, she, she's, she is going to grow up having conversations through a digital portal mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just life for her. She's... She when when the laptop comes open and where the connection is made, she's like, eh. She starts. It's like, oh, I know you guys, and then she reaches for the screen of the laptop, even though it's not a touch screen because she's already learned. Right. Yeah. It's something you touch with your digits. I've said this before, and I really believe that in understanding all of this and being in the actual business of creating and designing digital experiences, that I truly believe we have a responsibility towards those. And I think a lot of people here feel that way too, because there's a genuine sense of caring for people and the reality of what they're experiencing versus the digital experience that we present. So I think that is also an ongoing conversation that would be good 
But yeah, I think it's been awesome. Matt, I'm so glad you were here with us. I've enjoyed it. I think it's good. And I think uh, you've made our job for a next episode easier because we'll just continue the conversation. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. All right, guys. Um, I think that's it for today. I'll give you the last word. Me? Can I say what I love to say? Okay, Josh, go ahead and cue the exit music. (laughs) Dude, that was awesome, Matt. Design of Experience is produced by 15.4, a creative agency located in Charm City, Baltimore, Maryland. Produced by Emily Wolf, engineered by Josh Frisch, with story and creative development by Matt DeVille and Steve Smallman.